Welcome to a special 58th New York Film Festival edition of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. Today, NYFF programmer Rachel Rosen is joined by directors Michael Dweck and Gregory Kershaw to discuss their revelatory, earthy documentary, The Truffle Hunters. This engaging and beautifully shot film immerses the viewer in the forests of northern Italy, where dogs, accompanied by their elderly and often irascible human owners of modest means, seek the precious white Alba truffle. Get tickets for tonight's screening at the Queen's Drive-In or nationwide virtual tickets at filmlink.org. Let's go to the conversation now. Thank you to Film at Lincoln Center members for helping to make the Film at Lincoln Center podcast possible and for playing such a vital role in all we do. Membership started just $85 and offer discounted tickets year-round, including at the 50th New York Film Festival, early purchasing periods, exclusive invitations to member events and film clubs, and much more. If you're interested in supporting Film at Lincoln Center by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org members today. Thank you so much for taking us on that trip. Uh, it was uh, enlightening and delightful. Um, I just want to start at the beginning, uh, which is to ask you both about um, how you learned of this culture um, and got the original idea to do a film about Truffle Hunter. Well, we had um, finished our last film, The, the Last Race, uh, in 2017 in August in Copenhagen. And, um, and we were looking for, well, I was looking for a place to go uh, just to just to kind of disappear after working on that film for five years. And um, uh, I decided to just say, well, let's go to the mountains of, of Italy when there's no tourists in August. And, um, uh, and it turned out by coincidence, Gregory had been to that exact same, same tiny little village called Moncalvo uh, three weeks before that I got there. And what we, what we both noticed was that there was this it seemed like this very magical thing happening in this place. You know, all the people in the village, I think there were maybe 60 people live in the village and they were saying to us, I don't know what you're doing here now, but you should come back in November. And I said, well, why November? And they said, well, that's truffle season. And then that, of course, hit the question, well, how do you find these truffles and where, you know, where do they come from? And they said, well, we don't know, but all we know is we have this little wooden box outside of our shop and we put 50 euros in the box at night and the next morning appears a truffle and that they've been doing this since 1941. And that, of course, led us to find out who, who were these people. And nobody in the town would say. Nobody would talk. They were all saying, we don't know. We've never met them. We don't see them. We just know they're in the mountains at night sometime. And it's a secret. So, and, uh, you know, so Greg and I decided, let's just go back. Um, we went back three weeks later and just started to, together. And let's start digging in and finding out um, who they are. And it took, it took a while. It took us a year to really find out who the true truffle hunters were. But there was, you know, the, this town was just, there was just something very, very interesting about this town. There was no technology in this town. Um, people were still reading newspapers. Um, they were, you know, the, all the machines that they were using were like handmade little machines, you know, so things seemed like it was a place back in time. And, uh, and that really attracted us. Yeah, and there's, oh. Oh. Uh, well, there's, there's just, there was a feeling in this place that it, it was kind of miraculous that Mike and I had both landed in the same spot around the same time. And we came back and we, we just kept talking about this feeling of the feeling of a place that was removed from technology that had this connection to nature. And the, there, there are fewer and fewer of places 
like that around the world where traditions are still alive. And when, when you're there, it's, it's something that you can, I don't know, it, it affects all of your senses. You can, you can smell it in a way you can, you can taste it, you can feel it. And we, we just, we had this conversation. We said, we, there's, there's, there's something that we need to capture about this. And then that mystery that Michael talked about of the truffle hunters, there was a story there. And when we went back and we started, we started exploring the world, it became very apparent that there, there was a film, there was a story that needed to be told out of all of this. And, and the work that we do is all centered around communities. We're always intrigued by, you know, com um, communities that are steeped in traditions and, um, and that really have done what they can to not really change as things around them progress. And that was also an attraction, just like the last film we did and like my photography is very similar. So well, let me, dig into this a little further, because I'm, I'm just curious sort of about the initial conversation you had. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, um, what kind of conversations did you have about those initial impressions of this world divorced from technology and this mystery? And how, what conversations did you have about whether you thought there was a film in that? especially given that there's a secret or a mystery mm -hmm. involved in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and also that I, if I'm correct, neither of you are fluent Italian <laughs> speakers. No, not, not, I, not at all. I, I think the the story really, when we realized we had a story, when we realized there, there was a secret, when mm -hmm. we started exploring this world and we kept, we were hearing about the truffle hunters that brought these truffles and we saw this market and we saw we saw that these truffles were sometimes selling for the amount of uh the same price as gold per ounce we 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 realized that this was a world of secrecy and every time we tried to get into it we had people telling us we had people telling us no it's an, it's impossible to film with the truffle hunters they'll never let you into the world so initially we met we were introduced to some people that we were told were truffle hunters, but the first people you meet are the, the truffle hunters that do it for tourists. So they have a little routine, they hide a truffle, you find a truffle, people people leave feeling they've had the experience. But we, we realized that's not really what we, what the, what the truffle hunters, who the truffle hunters are or what we were there to film. And the process of actually finding this, this, this world, that this world that's underneath us, the real world, that took a lot of time. And it was just, it was a matter of spending time in these communities, meeting one person who led us to another person who led us to their uncle who got truffles from a certain guy at 12 o'clock at night on the side of the road. And eventually we would meet these people and it, um, it took a long time to, to get into their, to enter into their worlds. Once we did meet them, we had to build trust with them. And, and I think a lot of that was just, we, we kept coming back. We filmed over, we, we made this film over three years and every, you know, we would, be there for three weeks, a month, and then we would we would tell the people that we wanted to film, uh, we're going to be back in two weeks or three weeks, and they'd say sure, and they expected to never see us again. But we came back, and we kept doing it over and over. And little by little, we were invited in, and we became we became part of their lives. We sort of we, we became part of the part of the family in a way. They invited us. Yeah. Eventually, they invited us into dinner. But we also paid our. We also they made them. They made us pay our dues. I mean when. You know, we see Sergio climbing up these cliffs that were 2,500 feet uh, with a dog almost vertical. We were on the other side of that cliff with a, a, probably 200 pounds of, of camera gear, just Gregory and I, on the opposite side of the cliff. 
you know, and we were transiting through the mud. We were in the rain. We were in three feet of snow filming. We were with them straight through the year. And they were, and I think that was, that was part of what they were, you know, they wanted to see, did we have it? Right? That was the conversation that we had. And also there was a time where we heard about this secret market that took place three in the morning on Wednesday in this little town called Asti. And when we asked the people in the town about it, everybody said it doesn't exist. We even found out the exact location where it was, which is right in front of this boutique. And they were saying, look, the person that lived above it said, I've lived there 35 years. I would know if there's something happening here at three in the morning below my window. And lo and behold, we showed up at three in the morning. And there it was, about 60 truffle hunters out there in the dark in like trench coats and hats in the cold. And they were doing what looked like to us like drug deals on the side. And of course, as soon as we showed up, it, they scattered. We, we didn't show up with a camera, but they knew we weren't part of the group and they just kind of scattered. But that, that told us, and then we, that told us that, you know, we needed to kind of build trust with these people. And it started, it went, we came back again and again and again, started to talk to people and one person led to another and a lot of coffee, a lot of espresso, a lot of wine led us to eventually into, into the community. So that's like a huge, long process over three mm -hmm. years. I'm just, mm -hmm. From your, I mean, again, I, it's the same question, but like, at, did you know from your first research visit that you had a film? Because it seems like you were doing some preliminary research and maybe going down some false roads. And then I guess my question was, like, did you start filming while you were still exploring? Were you filming on all the subsequent trips when you went back? When we started, we didn't, we, we weren't filming right away. We, um, uh, and we didn't know we had a film. We knew there was a story here and we knew it was potential for film. We also knew we had to take our time and it was gonna take us, we thought, well, first we thought a month and a month turned into easily, it turned into three months and six, then six months that it turned into a year. And I think the breakthrough came when uh, a truffle hunter invited us into their house for the first time. And that was really, that was to us a breakthrough. We went, we went out, at, God, I mean, imagine these people are in their 80s and they're going out 20 miles a night, walking in the dark with no lights on these cliffs. And we were with him. And then, you know, got out of the woods at sunrise. He invites us over to his house, cracks open two eggs from his chickens, and then shaves the truffles that we just got and welcomed into his life. And I think that was uh, the point where we knew we were in. And it also word spreads really quickly in these villages. It's a very small strip of land where you find white truffles. It's not a very big, 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 uh, big forest. And I think people started to know that, you know, that we were okay. And they started to introduce us to, you know, to the priest and the priest told us, you know, introduce us to other people. And he was also telling us who the trouble was where it worked. He was a guide. But I think we, maybe after a year, I think we, we, we probably started to shoot after about six months, right, Greg? And then after about a year, I think we knew we had a film. Yeah, and we didn't, we didn't go into the film. We, we knew there was this world there were these these incredible people that we were meeting and we knew that there was something in the secrecy of it but we didn't really know what the film was going to be about until we spent time in the in in their lives and it was that's where you know we that's where the story that's where what what happens in the film we you know we didn't we didn't enter into this filming process with a preconceived idea of we want to make a film about about a bunch of uh, old men that are have uh, at, in in our minds now, they're sort of they're overcoming their own mortality. They're 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 sort of they're they're immortal in a way, and that's that's what the film became to us. But when it, when we started it, we didn't know, and that all that just it came from 
following these guys around in the woods for 12 hours at night. I mean, we're, we, we would be in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night in freezing cold weather with, with an 86 year old man. And we would be, we would be chasing and we couldn't keep up with him. Sometimes we would be chasing him yeah, through the exactly. woods. And they, sometimes he would offer to carry our camera gear because, like, you know, they just, we were too slow. So, yeah, they, they, they just, they have so much energy, so much, passion they have just like a such 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 lust for what they do that trying to capture that became that became the 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 mission that we i guess that that fueled us every day uh i want to take a step back for a second and just ask you your co-directors and that can mean a lot of different things uh to a lot of different film teams so i'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you work together. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as a subset of that, you know, I know on the last race you worked together, but your credits were slightly different with Gregory mm -hmm. basically having every credit except uh, director, mm -hmm. <laughs> meaning mm -hmm. producer, writer, cinematographer. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how you work together? Uh, well, on this, on this particular film, I think that was also, well, goes back to one of your other questions about how to be into this world, got into the world because it's just really the two of us. We're both cinematographers and um, uh, we work with a, a translator and a sound person and that's it. And um, we also spend a lot of time talking and with this film, we shot one shot a day at the most. And Gregory and I spend a lot of time just talking, observing, trying to, and you know, spending a lot of time with their families and finding an opportunity that we think is right. And then we, you know, we, and you know, we set a shot up. We're very patient. We're not intrusive in their lives. They really forgot about us. They didn't care about it. Unlike the last race, where it was impossible to get any verite footage, impossible, because they were always acting out in some weird reality show that they thought they were in. In this case, they completely forgot about us. And um, we would just set the camera up, find a beautiful frame. Sometimes we'd, we'd light a little bit. Um, and then we just let the camera roll for one or two hours until the cards ran out. So we're, you know, we, co we collaborate on everything that we do. We talk, we talk a lot. We talk a lot. We screen at night. We go back to where we're staying. We screen a lot. And, um, uh, and it works, seems to work really well. We, we developed, I think on this film, we developed you know, a, a fairly unique way of approaching the, this creation of the cinematic world. It's very much, you know, we, we, it's very much, we wanted to create a style of filming that, that we were able to sort of bring a perspective to how we told the story visually and how we can created the frames and the feeling. But we also wanted to create an environment where we were true, where we would really disappear and allow the events that were happening in front of the camera to, to happen. And hopefully the people that were in front of the camera to forget about our presence, which, which we think mostly happened. And so it took us, it took us, some time and some experimentation at first to sort of figure out the 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 right way both to approach it from aesthetically but also actually execute that and and that's what mike was talking about with just the amount it, we would usually shoot just one shot sometimes no shots a day because each shot was it was thought about very carefully to be very precise in how we how we filmed it how it was lit where where the light was it, it had to be right but also so so we could get these actions that would happen unencumbered by by the whole apparatus of filming and that's it was this very you know it was a delicate dance of some you know sometimes our days would they would 
they would start off with an idea of doing one thing and it would completely transform over a lunch with a lot of wine with one of the people that we were filming and become something else. And it was always, it was always evolving. And, and I guess that was the beauty of having, you know, shooting it over three years. It, it gave us, it gave us the opportunity to sort of feel the world and respond to it. That's so interesting because uh, I mean, obviously I was going to ask you about the camera setup because it's very beautiful and austere and locked down. And it hadn't occurred to me that there was a practical or there could have been a practical aspect to that choice in that, I mean, did you, was that part of the decision that uh, maybe not moving around with the camera mm -hmm. and the rig would make you less visible, would make you, yes. be, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we would. That, you, yeah, that was intentional. Oh, sorry. And, oh, and we would set up that. You know, we would set up the, the. I think in documentary, there's a tendency, and often for very good reason, to follow the people that you're filming around. And um, it, and what we did on this film, it's I guess it's quite the opposite. We would set the camera up, and we would we would find position. We, we would find places that we usually knew our subjects were going to be in, and that they were comfortable in. And then we would just, we would stand back and just, we wouldn't touch a thing and we would let it roll for, you know, sometimes two hours. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the editing of this film. It, 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 there aren't very many cuts in this film, but the editing was a real challenge because it was finding not only two minutes of two hours, but finding two continuous minutes that fit with the rest of the narrative. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't, we couldn't manipulate what was happening in in a, in any individual scene through the editing, we just we had to work with actually what what was there. I mean, we called it walking a tightrope without it without a net. Was our was our talking the van? Yeah, no internal cutaways to like shorten the duration. No, of the, scene. the whole the whole film is one hundred and one hundred and six shots. Wow, um, the whole the whole. And film. we were. We, we, we became braver, I think, as the filming process went on. Initially, we started, we, we would get a little coverage. I think we had a, we had a very clear idea of what we wanted, but I think the, the courage, because it's a very risky thing to do that, and the, the courage um, came as we started, you know, we, we started reviewing the footage and we started sort of seeing these big, these chunks, and we said, okay, we can do this. Let's, yeah, let's get rid of the safety net. Let's, let's go for it. Wow. Uh, so... I do want to talk about the dogs because mm -hmm. they're mm -hmm. such a huge part of this movie. Mm -hmm. And I guess the first question was, uh, again, like, did you realize how important the dogs were to this process and what a big role they would play in the film? Well, we, what we didn't realize is that how close they were to the dogs. That was the first thing. It was a surprise. The first person we were filming with. Aurelio, we went into his house and he was having lunch with Berba on the table, eating out of, you know, China. And uh, and he was talking to Berba about very intimate things, very personal things about some of the concerns that he had. And then that, and then we started to visit, you know, with you know Gidio and Carlo and you know Sergio. We started to see that they were family. They were very close. Each one had a unique language that they spoke to their dog with. I mean, the whole film is most of the films in dialect, but then they also have a dog dialect. That each each hunter developed with each individual dog, which was which was pretty fascinating, and um, uh, and and that they work as a team. The dog wants to find a truffle as much as the truffle hunter. Does. It's a game, and if the dog doesn't find a truffle hunter, it doesn't find a truffle. It feels it's disappointed his partner, 
And that's kind of part of this beautiful relationship that we see. And that's where the idea about putting a camera on the dog's head came from. That happened, by the way, it was crafted by a cobbler in the village we were living in. Oh, wow. A little cobbler. We couldn't figure out how to get this rick to work. We went to a cobbler who makes shoes, repairs shoes and makes shoes. And we, you know, we just started to, to you know, play with leather and suede and metal and rivets. And, and then eventually we came up with this rig. It took us two months, a very sophisticated rig with a very, very traditional cobbler. Um, but that was a way to bring the audience into how a dog works, how a dog feels, how excited a dog gets when he's out, you know, playing and looking and, and how the game kind of feels. Uh, maybe our audience might be concerned about Burba's future, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. given the film. And mm -hmm. I think you guys know what Burba's intended future is. Do you care to share that with our audience? Well, I could say is Burba's in great shape, great health. We, uh, we get pictures of Burba every day in videos. So we're in constant communication with Burba. And uh, she's doing really well. He's doing great. All the dogs we keep in contact with, too. That's the owners think. They think they're jealous because we have close relationships to dogs and we do. With their partners. So. <laughs> One of the other things that really struck me about this film was the use of humor. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a really delicate balance that you strike mm -hmm. here. Uh, but mm -hmm. Because, you know, the film is humorous. We could see the humorous side of you know, this eternal youth in these men sort of plays out somewhat like an internal, an eternal adolescence. Mm -hmm. uh, but you manage to project this humor in a way that's very respectful to mm -hmm. the participants in the film. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the process of using your score and other things to create that atmosphere. I think the humor, the humor, you know, we. I guess it goes back to the world kind of told us what the film was going to be. We didn't, we in no way set out to make a, a film that had, you know, was a comedy, but it, these men just had such, they were so funny. Their lives were so rich. They enjoyed themselves so much that we, we got pulled into it as a filmmaker. So this, the act of filming, while it, while it was, you know, often very arduous and we were in the woods and we were often up to our knees in mud or snow or, something we were always having a, a great time because the joy that they had in their lives was really infectious so Aurelio for example I mean we would we would go out to lunch with him and by the end by the end of the meal he would have the whole restaurant around him and he would be telling stories and they everybody would be laughing and you could you couldn't have a meal without a bottle of wine on the table there that was just that was sort of a, one of the rules for for going out to lunch <laughs> with any of these guys so it, it it became a it became a really joyous process and we became we knew that that actually that had to be a part of the film i mean there would there'd be no way to portray this world with without with with without showing that joy and it I guess it, once we got into the editing process, as you're talking about, we we wanted to find we wanted to find ways to support that feeling that you know we didn't there were no there are no jokes in the movie there you know there aren't there aren't uh, there aren't any moments where we felt like we had to hit it we we had to push the humor too hard we wanted it to sort of we wanted the film to felt feel like 
it felt being in that world where it was just a natural extension of being there. So that's where some of these musical choices that, you know, we looked at, we looked at old pop from um, Italy in the 1970s. And we had a great composer who, who came up with some original tracks that just subtly sort of underscored really that less, less a particular joke, but just more the, the feeling of being there. That's, really that's what we were trying to capture. Uh, sorry, I was just going to add that that Aurelio was always singing. But we were trying to film him tuffle hunting, and he wouldn't stop singing. And then we just said, "Well, that's what Aurelio does." And we realized that that was very much an important part of that of, that, of these villages. And every time, like Sergio sings, he sings to his dogs when he's going out hunting. He sings when he's in the woods. You know, it's a very important part of their world, and that's that's how we incorporated the, the music. We, the chorus that we chose is really from Mutiny on the Bounty, and it's "Follow Me" is the name of the track. And we translated it to to Italian, um, and had a chorus uh, sing that. Sixty members okay. of a chorus sing it, so it's very appropriate for this for the ending of the film. Um, as you mentioned before, I, I see a lot of similarities, obviously, between this film and your first film, uh, The Last mm -hmm. Race. And I'm I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that, like uh, in, in terms of. Do you consider yourselves cultural anthropologists or, you know, do you recognize in yourself that you're interested in versions of a particular question that is, you know, something that is part of your life? Well, we are. I mean, we're interested in cultural ecosystems and um, we want them, especially in the times we live in right now. Um, we think they're they're vital, and um, uh, and we also want to immerse people into these places, into these these communities, and make people feel what it feels like, what it felt like to us to be in these places, um, which we're really fortunate to experience. And that was the reason also for the style of filming. That the reason there's no there's no editing between scenes, no cuts. We wanted it to be as pure of a cinematic experience as possible when it came to immersing. You know the audience into a community like this, and yes, we're and that's what we're looking at now. We're, we're always looking at we have another film we're about to start, um, whenever we can leave that is in the same kind of theme about an old, you know, a, a community steeped in traditions that hasn't changed in 700 years, it has unique language. Um, so that, that is a concern, and we're also uh interested in, in, in expanding this to a series as well, which we're looking at, but very, very similar yeah. idea of the global, global communities. I mean, there feels there. It feels like there's an urgency to telling these stories mm -hmm. now because it, it's very clear that the world is changing so quickly in so many ways. It, you know, climate change and cultural transformation and technology. I mean, it's just it's just it's sweeping through the world so rapidly. So there's there are still these pockets where people have maintained some connection to the natural world. They've maintained some connection to tr tradition, but they're they're disappearing and and the ones that are going to stay it feels like they're changing like with with truffle hunting it's going to continue it, it it as long as there are truffles they're they're so valuable that it will continue to go on there will be people out in those woods looking for truffles but this generation that that we filmed i don't know if there's ever going to be a generation that does it the same way that has the same connection to the natural world that just that just goes outside with without an iPhone, without a cell phone in their pocket i mean that that it, that changes everything for them. Um, and when they go home, they don't have the television on. They don't have, and they definitely don't have the internet. So, so it's it's this desire to 
to explore these places and see what they have, you know, see what they have to share with the world, see what knowledge they have to share with the world. And not in like, a, not in a, um, it's not necessarily a specific thing that we need to, a specific way of doing something that we need to um, learn from them. It's the, it's a way of life that they have, the connections that they have. Mm -hmm. um, and as we, as we keep saying this, 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 this feeling of joy that pervades their lives, like what can we, what can we take from that and bring into, bring into the future with us? Yeah, you know, because we were interested, yeah. I wanted to add about just cultural preservation. In addition to that, we were, we were very concerned, of course, about, environmental issues although we don't we don't handle it in a very heavy-handed way in this film but there are there are obviously you know subtle subtle hints um because they're farmers during the day and they know a lot uh and they would tell us things like the first year we went to observe their lives they were saying to us there, ha there haven't been truffles because it hasn't rained in a year and also you know we we would get phone calls in the middle of the night and we'd get a call saying you better come down here now it was like sir you're really upset crying on the phone you have to come down now, now, bring the camera now. We go down and we get to this piece of land that had just been cleared with two people with chainsaws that had just taken an acre of property of 200-year-old oak trees. And you need an oak tree for a truffle. The truffle attaches itself to a root of an oak tree, an old oak tree. They just stripped the forest in 20 minutes and all the trees were gone. And that's how easy it is in that region. So we've also developed this, you know, we're, we're um, working with a trust in that in that village that we've already established and we're going to be um, we've already raised money and we're going to be giving the money to the trust to purchase the land uh, where we filmed also so it can't be deforested. But that's something we're very concerned about as well in our films. Yeah, I can, I can feel the tension in your films uh, that involves preservation of this heritage, but also mm -hmm. both of these ways of life are also businesses. Um, and right. so, you know, the preservation of a certain kind of business in mm -hmm. the face of economic pressure is also mm -hmm. a continuity I see between yes. the, the two mm -hmm. films. Yes, it's true. So I, I think those are most of the, I mean, I'm, <laughs> again, I could go on for two hours and ask you <laughs> details, but uh, those are, the, the film is so lovely, I'd rather just oh, stick great. with that mood of... Um, <laughs> being taken away to this special place. So uh, I want to thank you both um, well, so much for sharing the film with us and for um, being here to share some additional thoughts. Is there anything else you want to say oh. in your film festival audience? Well, we wanted to thank you and um, also um, Eugene and uh, Dennis, you know, to, for choosing this film. It, was a, it meant a lot to us. Uh, to be part of the Film Festival, especially in our home territory. Although Greg can't can be in our his home territory, he's from New York as well. But but we're really honored to be to be part of this uh, of this slate. It meant a lot yeah. to us and to share the film. Thank you. Audience.